Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. It's been a minute since uh, I was out here on this stage sharing, and uh, during that time, we have had some great messages shared with us about this uh, authentic life that we're talking about, and, and whether it was in person uh, or online. I got to be here for all three of those, and um, we, we've learned a lot of stuff, but man, I, I just want to say something right off the bat. First off, um, we are extremely fortunate uh, to have ministers on our staff who are not only capable of sharing God's Word, but are, are capable of uh, sharing their heart and, and being passionate about what they share and, and, and leading us and teaching us in those ways. And Doug Mitchell and Jason Fox and Taylor Gilpin speaking from their heart. It has just been uh, this amazing lineup of God's servants uh, who have been teaching us and we've had the privilege of learning from uh, over the past few weeks. And so uh, just because of that, we don't always have an opportunity to do this, but would you just show your appreciation uh, for, for what they've done for us? We've been talking about this authentic life that we have that is constantly growing. That's one of the things that we've been trying to get across is that none of us have arrived at like the completion of this authentic life. It is something we are growing towards. It's something we're constantly growing towards. And, and it kind of goes along with our vision as a church that we're here to lead people closer to Jesus, okay? And, and, and we're leading people closer to Jesus, introducing them to Jesus, but then we're also leading them towards having a relationship with Jesus. That's another growth part. Then we're leading them towards being more and more like Jesus, and all of us are trying to be more and more like Jesus with every passing day, and it's a constant growth that's taking place. And so kind of looking at this authentic life and the, the growth that goes along with that and, and this vision that we have as a church, leading people closer to Jesus and the growth that goes along with that, uh, we have a, a new look for First Christian Church. And I just want to ask you to take a look at the screens behind me and take a look at this. So that right there is the new look for First Christian Church. And there was some concern in first service as I was backstage and I had my coat on to kind of cover this up so nobody would see it yet, that we were gonna reveal it by me unzipping my coat. And that was creepy and weird. So that is not what we are gonna do. So just so you're aware how all that takes place. But the question that's out there is, so why do we have a new logo? Why do we need a new logo? Is there something that's changing about us as a church, and this is the great easy answer for that, no, okay? The great thing about our history as a church is that we know exactly who we are, and we know what our mission is, and we know the vision that we have as a church. And moving forward with that though, we recognize that as we're trying to lead people closer to Jesus, sometimes there needs to be a fresh look so that they can pay attention to and that they uh, can see that we care about them and that we're here for them, and that we want to answer questions for them, we want to lead them closer to Jesus. And sometimes we kind of have to get back in people's eye line. And so this new logo is going to help us do that. You're going to see this image more and more on all kinds of things, and in the building, and outside the building, and, and uh, even ways that we want to kind of share that into our community, and make sure that people know this is First Christian Church. And so uh, we'll talk more about that a little later on in the service. But during my time off stage. Um, 
there were some comments that were made and some confusion about where I was in the midst of all of uh, these past few weeks. There, there, were, there were some who heard that I was in Bora Bora, which I don't actually know where Bora Bora is. Um, there was also some comment that was made by someone who will remain nameless, Jason Fox, that I was in the French Riviera. And for those of you who know me, um, that is way too high class for me. And so uh, just to kind of give you a sense of where we've been, uh, we had an opportunity to go and visit uh, my son Cam, who is involved in an internship in Delaware at a church there. And uh, so we got to go for a week to be with him. And uh, in the process, though, I did figure out that if you tried to drive to the French Riviera, and you drove towards the French Riviera, and then you found out that you couldn't drive to the French Riviera because you ran out of America, uh, that's Delaware, okay? So that's where it is. It's basically, we've learned during this time that it's a long way away, but while we were there, uh, we did get to see some beautiful things, and just a quick picture, that's one of the nights that we got to spend uh, out for a sunset cruise that uh, Cam made possible for us. And so uh, just just great time that we got to spend with him and see what he's doing and time that we got to spend as family. And so uh, that was where we were, not Bora Bora, not the French Riviera, Delaware. So there you go. Um, as we've been talking about this authentic life, the, the same thing has struck me every week. With each passing week, it's the same thought that I've had, whether it was Jason and Doug talking about serving or or last week it was Taylor talking about worship. We were introduced to this life that is possible for us because of the kingdom of God and because of a relationship we can have with Jesus. It's a life where we give of ourselves and we serve and, and we find all kinds of ways in every normal part of life where we can worship God. But it strikes me that as we talk about all these different areas that are part of this series, we have a struggle uh, that is really all about um, direction and the direction that leads or is part of this authentic life. And it is a directional struggle that we have in our hearts and that we have in our minds about the authentic life. And, and, And each week I've thought about it and I've thought, I think we... I think we sometimes don't understand the direction of it all. And and here's what I mean by that. Okay, so if we've got the authentic life, as we're talking about it, and we talk about these kinds of things like serving and life groups and worship and generosity and prayer, and, and all of those things are part of the authentic life, we can think that these are all the things that we need to do to get the authentic life. Okay, and so when, when preachers start talking about, hey, you, you need to serve and you need to be in a life group and you need to worship and you need gen- have generosity and you need prayer, we start seeing those as things that we need to work into our schedule and that we need to start doing more of and that we need to find time for. We need to fit those things into our life. And the message that we hear is that the only way for us to achieve the authentic life is to go and get all these things done. And so we start trying to, to check all the boxes, you know? So if we can fill up our schedule and we can do all the things and we can get all these things accomplished, then, and only then, if you can get all the plates spinning at the same time, do you achieve the authentic life? And when that's how you view it, 
When you think that you gotta rearrange everything and you gotta fit this all in and all this has gotta work and we're not doing that so we're not really knowing the authentic life, then all of this becomes have to. And we start to have this attitude that this is a have to. That, that I have to find a place where I can serve. And I have to find a group of people that I can go do life with. And I, I have to find new ways that I can worship. And I have to give a certain amount. And, and I have to pray a certain way. And only if I do those things can I really have the authentic life. And when it starts to be have to, we typically have a response to that. Because I, I don't know about you, but when people tell me something I have to do, or people start telling me what I should do and what I'm supposed to do, typically I have a little bit of a rebellion on that and I don't want to do any of those things. And, and it's all because it sounds like it's a bunch of rules. And rules lead to resentment, and resentment leads to rebellion, and eventually we decide, you know what? I don't think this thing is all it's cracked up to be. And I don't want any part of it. But here's the, the subtle but significant difference in the direction of the authentic life that we're talking about. Because when, when, when we forget to explain this about the abundant life, about life to the full, about the authentic life that Jesus has promised us, there is a directional piece that we sometimes forget to mention. Now there's no doubt that in the first century, the church that we read about in the book of Acts, that church understood that they had a responsibility that they all shared in together, okay? That they were all involved in doing the, the, the kingdom work and, and fulfilling the great commission of letting people know about Jesus and, and making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They knew that that was what they were supposed to do. And I think that that same responsibility has trickled all the way down to First Christian Church in 2022. The responsibility is still on our shoulders but this authentic life is not achieved by checking off boxes. See, the direction problem that we have is that it's not about all these things sitting over here that we've gotta get right so that we can have the authentic life. The reality is that all of these things that, that we're longing for and all these things that we feel like we have to do and that we've gotta get done and that we're supposed to do and everybody keeps kind of pushing at us, that they are all things that are on the other side of the authentic life that has already been given to us by our Lord and Savior. It's not something that we have to do to get this. It's something that we get to do because of what he's done. You understand that? That's a huge deal. It's not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. And when it comes to this authentic life, we are freed up. And we are freed up to worship in all kinds of different ways. In a worship service on Sunday, but as, as Taylor was telling us last week, we get to worship in, in ways that, that happen every part of every day. And we are freed up to do life with people, to actually have people who know us and know what's going on in our life and who know what to say and who know when to ask tough questions and who know when to just give you a hug. We're freed up to do that. We're freed up to find a place where we can serve and we get to see life change happening that we never thought we could be part of. And, and we're freed up to pray and know that the creator of the universe and the king of kings 
is not just listening to us, but he actually hears us and he wants to help us. And instead of all these things that are a have to, because of the authentic life that Jesus already gave me, I get to do all of this. So, instead of trying to achieve the authentic life by checking all the boxes and spinning all the plates, we're just trying to immerse ourselves in what he's already given us. Now, appropriately, we have uh, looked to that first church in Jerusalem as kind of a model for us during this series. They're the purest version of what Jesus had in mind for the church and, and the purest version of what he had modeled already for them. But that first church in Jerusalem, specifically, that we really only read about for about the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, and then the church gets spread all over the place, and, and we read about different encounters along the way, but that church in Jerusalem, they had something in common. That first batch of followers of Jesus, that, that first group of disciples, they had in common that every one of them in the church were part of the nation of Israel. Okay? Nobody else, no other nationality represented in that church in Jerusalem except for Jews. And at that, at that time, that's all who were in the church. So prior to the church being the church in Acts chapter 2, near the end of it, their religion and their nationality were largely the same thing. Okay? And, and so they had a faith in God that had been built into their rules and built into their law and built into their government to the point that everything about their faith had some of the same emotions tagged on it that you and I have towards taxes, okay? Taxes are something that come around every year. It's something we have to do. It's something that um, only a very few of us look forward to, okay? You accountants out there are just weird people. Um, but there are just a few of us who look forward to it. It's something that we kind of dread, every one of us. Even those of us who have the joy of getting a refund check, there's still the process you have to go through and the forms you have to fill out and all the things that have to get done. And, and it comes around every year. It's a have to, and we just want to get through it. And if you can tie your spiritual life to those kinds of emotions that we have about taxes you would kind of know some of the Jewish heritage that existed among the people who were going to be part of the church at the very beginning of Acts chapter two before it all happened. That's how they felt about religion. That's how they felt about their faith. But by the end of Acts chapter two, after the Holy Spirit has come and kind of filled the place and after Peter has given this incredible sermon, actually all the apostles were preaching and, and, and people heard about what Jesus had done for them and people accepted and there were 3,000 men who were baptized, not including women and children who were baptized on that first day of the church. At the end of Acts chapter two, after all of that takes place, spiritual life had gone from stuff that they have to do to stuff that they get to do. 
And just, just take the, the idea of generosity and giving for a second. In the old way of things, they had portions or, or money or livestock or, or, or produce that they had to bring a portion of to the temple treasury. And there was a yearly time that they did that, and there was a, a ceremony that went along with it, and there are all kinds of different parts of that very specific and special day that for years and decades and centuries, people had been giving in that way. The people who were giving in Acts chapter two were the same people who had parents who had given decades before that and grandparents decades before that and great-grandparents decades and decades before that. It had been going on for so long that most of the people who came with their portion to give just did it because they knew they had to and had kind of forgotten why they did it in the first place. Then came the presence and the indwelling of Holy Spirit God in their life because of what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus walked out of the tomb and suddenly have to became get to. And their income tax religion became a life of freedom. Now here's how Luke describes what life was like for these people who had been going through kind of the old traditions of the, the Jewish faith that was mixed into their nationality, that they were doing all these things and, and kind of because they had to. This is how Luke describes them at the end of Acts chapter two. He says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I mean, do you see this? These are people who are experiencing freedom, who are experiencing joy, who are excited about this new authentic life that has come to them that they are experiencing together. Now you've heard these verses a lot in the last few weeks because Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47, in large part is the, the blueprint that we as a church use for, for kind of how church is supposed to work and what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to function. It's a blueprint for us all these years later. But in Acts chapter two, when the people were filled with the spirit and, and they suddenly had this new version of the authentic life and, and life together that they got to spend, they didn't have a blueprint. They just did it. And they did not what they had to do, they did what they got to do. And they looked forward to what they were doing. It wasn't about jumping through hoops. It wasn't about checking boxes. It wasn't about abiding by certain rules. And what they found out was that even this thing called generosity, generosity could be a blessing in their life. Now much later in the book of Acts, Paul's teaching and, and, and he talks about Jesus. And he quotes Jesus, which is a really smart thing to do. Whenever you're in a struggle, in a talk, if you can quote Jesus, that's pretty, pretty good stuff. And so Paul quotes Jesus, and, and he says something that we have heard many times before. You probably didn't know that it was Jesus who said it. He said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That wasn't Paul speaking that, that was Jesus. And Jesus went on and he talked about 
this authentic life that he was making available to us and what it would feel like and what it would be like when it came to generosity. And he said this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount that you give will, be determ- will determine the amount that you get back. So Jesus says, look, here's what giving is like. Here's what generosity is like. It is going to be this great thing that you get to do. And it's going to be pressed down and shaken together and stirred up and poured out and more and more in your lap. I don't have a clue what he's talking about, but it sounds like something I want to be in on. Okay? I've studied this stuff, and I'm not entirely sure what it, how much of what Jesus is saying, other than he's just going over the top on, look, if you give, you have no idea what's going to come your way. And then look how he ends the whole thing. He says, the amount that you give will determine the amount that you get back. That's not me telling you that. That's Jesus. Further evidence of this authentic way of living life shows up just a couple of chapters after Acts chapter two. So the church has been around for a couple of years. We get to Acts chapter four. And in the King James Version, Luke's words are translated this way. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things that he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. The believers were of one heart and one soul. It's interesting that Luke chose to say it that way. The far more common phrase back then and even now is to say that they were uh, of one heart and one mind. But Luke chose soul. That the very essence of their being, they were together. In the very essence of their being, they were pulling together in one direction. That they knew there was a goal and that they were all pulling towards that goal. One heart, one soul. And what you see right there is that this is generosity explained. That it's not just a blessing, but that generosity is unity. If you have something that I can give to make your life better in the authentic life, I want to give that because I want your life to be better. And if together we can kind of figure out that if we pool our resources, we can make something or someone better, then we're going to do that because in the authentic life, we want to make things better together. Verse 34 goes on and and kind of explains more of what was happening in the church. It says, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. And there were no needy persons among them. And what that tells us is that there were these people who found joy in giving that they saw generosity not as a thing they had to do, but as something they got to do. And the great thing about the generosity that they were involved in is they didn't even have to figure out exactly how it was gonna get used. Their idea was, hey, I'm just gonna bring this and I'm gonna let God work through the apostles so that they can sift through the thousands of needs that existed in the church in Jerusalem at the time 
and that I'm gonna trust that God's gonna figure out exactly where what I give goes, and I'm just gonna sit back and watch God go to work. And the great thing about it is, every one of those people watched what they gave be used in ways that they never would have thought of and that they never thought possible on their own because it was something that they got to do. Many of you know that my, uh, my mom passed away this past week and she was diagnosed with cancer in February but she didn't want to make a scene about it. And so she asked that that remain pretty quiet. And as a family, we respected that. Only in the last couple of weeks uh, has she made it public that she had cancer. And I think part of the reason for that is that um, my mom realized that cancer was a have to. She had cancer and there was nothing that she was gonna do about it. So she just had to endure it. And she didn't wanna talk about the have tos. She was much more interested in paying attention to the get tos. My brother and I are, are both ministers. He's in Virginia, I'm here. And through the years, um, my mom and dad have both kind of delighted in finding ways to participate in what God was doing in the churches where we were involved. Now, how do you participate? In an era gone by, how do you participate from afar? Well, back in the olden days, like four years ago, um, you did that through generosity. You just found ways that you could give to those places that you were excited about what God was doing in those places. And so when we went through our one-shot campaign that, that led to the building of this building, my mom joined in and she filled out her little three-year commitment card and uh, she wrote checks faithfully every month just like she said she would until she had completed her commitment. And then a few years later we went into Let's Go and the, the campaign that led to the expansion of Kid Town and the land that we have behind us and she jumped into that one and, and she made a three-year commitment to let's go and she filled out her checks every month because she wasn't going digital. She was still gonna keep writing. And she sent it in until she had completed her commitment. And then in March of 2020, we started live streaming. Now, the whole world started live streaming, but we did too. And so, Suddenly, my mom went from giving a check from afar to participating every Sunday in worship with us as she watched online. In fact, for those of you who struggle sometimes to get to a worship service on Sunday, can I just tell you that for the last four years, my mom's Sunday morning has been that she watched at least three worship services every Sunday. You think one is bad. She watched three, okay? She watched three worship services every Sunday. She would watch a Virginia worship service where my brother is. She'd watch a worship service from here in Kentucky and then she'd watch the church that she was involved in in Florida. A couple of months ago, my brother got up in front of the congregation and let everybody know that his mom was watching and, 
And he said, you know, my mom watches my brother and I every week, but she watches me first. (laughs) His live stream is at 9 a.m., ours is at 11. So chronologically, yes, she watches him first. So my mom called me the next Sunday, and she said, "Um, hey, I just want to let you know that I watched all my church services today. I said, that's great, mom. She said, and... I watched yours first. Larry's on rerun. (laughs) She was going to balance things out. Um, But here's the thing. As she was watching every week, she got to know people. And she knew all of our staff by name and by face and would ask about them and things that would be said from stage or said during, you know, the pre-show stuff. She would ask about that during the week and And she started to hear about the projects we were involved in in our community and around the world. And she started to find out the different things that were happening in our ministries here, whether it be in in Kid Town or in Elevate or something going on with life groups. And, And for her, she was a part of it. And so instead of just giving to a campaign for a three year commitment, my mom started giving every week. And she gave not because she had to, but because she got to. And for her, generosity was about belonging. She wasn't trying to achieve her way towards the authentic life. This wasn't about checking boxes. This wasn't about jumping through hoops. She already knew the authentic life. She already had the authentic life. She was just trying to find ways to immerse herself in it. And a huge part of that is this activity of generosity. And when Jesus made the authentic life, the abundant life, life to the full, when he made that available to us, he changed not only our future life, but he changed our present life and what it felt like in our heart and in our soul. It is generosity that is a blessing to us. It is generosity that that brings about unity among us. It is generosity that gives us that sense of belonging. And no longer is generosity this life of receipts where you are trying to achieve your way to the authentic life. But a life of generosity is just finding ways to immerse yourself in the life that Jesus has already given you. Maybe that's not who you are right now. Maybe you've never thought about generosity or giving in this way before and maybe it's always been on this side instead of on that side. Maybe this is one of those areas that you were gonna get to someday, this idea of giving and generosity, or or maybe this is one of those things that you figure some people are wired up for and and I'm not really wired up this way and so this is meant for somebody else, or maybe you're thinking that it's really meant for people who have more money than you do. Or again, maybe generosity and giving has always been something that has felt like a have to, that has felt like some box you were supposed to check 
something that everybody told you you had to do or that you were supposed to do. Well, well, the truth is this. That authentic life that you think you're supposed to achieve, it has already been given to you. And because of it, you are already immersed in the authentic life of generosity. And if it's not who you've been before, then you can start being that today. And if it's something that you've always been waiting to do someday, that someday could start today. And if it's something that you think isn't really you, then I I want you to know that generosity and all the blessing that goes with it and all the unity that's part of it and all that sense of belonging that that goes along with all of it, it is just sitting there waiting for you to step into it. So instead of trying to achieve this authentic life by checking a bunch of boxes and spinning a bunch of plates and jumping through a bunch of hoops, would you choose instead to understand that Jesus already gave you the authentic life? And now you get to participate in all of these ways. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I I thank you that... uh, We are given different models and different examples of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. And I thank you that my mom was that for me and for lots of other people. That they learned from her and the the ease at how she did what she did and who she was. That there is a, a life that is possible But God, would you help us to know that that life was not something that had to be practiced and rehearsed. It was something that you made possible for her and that you make possible for us. That you have already granted us this authentic life. That you have already given us life to the full. And it's not something that we have to jump through hoops for. It's not something that we have to check boxes for. But it is a life that gives us freedom to do and be who you created us to be. And to experience things that we never thought we would get to experience. And the only reason we do is because of you. Would you help our lives to show that in so many ways, but specifically in this idea of giving and generosity, doing whatever we can to make it better for someone else. We learned that from you. Your saving grace, your mercy, your love, all through Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you'd stand with me this morning. And maybe you're here today and you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ, to know that that authentic life is yours. There's not a bunch of hoops to jump through. There is a moment where you say yes to the grace and the mercy that he is offering to you. 
And if you need to do that today, if you need to say yes to Jesus and be baptized today, we invite you to come walk right down these aisles. We have folks who will be here to talk with you, pray with you. But maybe you've already done that and you're looking for a place to belong, a place to feel connected And we'd love to have you with us right here at First Christian. So if you have that decision to make, we invite you as well. But for the rest of us, we have this authentic life that we're not trying to achieve. It's already been achieved for us. And we have a moment right now where we get to lift our voices in praise and worship to our King for what he has done for us and what he has made possible for us. So if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come. May the rest of us lift our voices in praise right now.